0: Welcome to Book to Where two guys tell you about the books they're reading and actually gonna tell you about a book they're reading. I'm Rob Olson.
1: And I'm Livia Snedden. Man, this week was nice. This week I scheduled, I was like, ah, I gotta get this book done. It's three hundred something pages. I'm gonna read fifty pages today. And ah, oh, it was it was it was like we've been doing this for years.
0: Are you all right, so I think that there's something that Uh, Aside from the fact that the lazy summer of podcasting is officially dead and buried, uh, at least for this year, um, there's something different about uh, how I read the book this time. And I think it's worth mentioning because historically, what I do is I put it off until the absolute last minute. And on the day before we review, I just read the whole thing in one massive sitting. And that's just not what happened this time. So um, I actually read a little bit every day. I, I took notice and wasn't it just better to do that? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was less stressful. Um, I think that, yeah, like, uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it just, yeah, more digestible. Yep.
1: Well, and, and I, my, my fear is, and, and I don't think you do this, but I think my fear for myself, if I did that was that I would somehow hold it against the book.
0: Oh yeah. If yeah. I had
1: to spend six hours, you know, essentially in a row, reading this book, that I would get mad at the book, not at my own poor planning. So, mm-hmm. um, which this is way, weird because
0: you love to binge TV shows.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. I, the world, the world has changed for me. <laughs> that's really that's really what it when it comes down to. Although this book, um, I, I will say, I probably read it in four sittings. You know, what I mean, I read it in pretty big chunks. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't ten pages at a time. Um, I did read through, yeah. um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is in, in a few, in few sessions with, uh, with a lot of,
0: I did about 20% each day about I averaged out to about 20% a day. So that's like 60, 70 pages at mm-hmm. a time. So still, I still got some, cause like, if, I feel like if I just went 10%, I'd feel like I, because I read so, so much of like a, sometimes an entire book in one sitting, that like 10 10% would be like well why did I even bother starting (laughs) that's that's a good point
1: um when I read during lunches that's about all I can get out because I pretty much have like a half hour lunch so those are 10% this time I did not read on lunch at all I read it all at home
0: good good job sir yep tell listeners about the author so um the book we're reading is is called made for love and it's by Alyssa Nutting um, long time listeners of the show will, re- will remember that, um, Alyssa Nutting is the author of Tampa, which is a book that Livia's read and I believe really enjoyed. And then also what's the name of the short story? Unclean jobs for women and girls. Is that it? Uh, potential force, uh, which I
1: don't think is in, um, the book you mentioned. That's a collection oh, of short stories. Gotcha.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. Which is Livius's favorite short story ever, so I might as well just read the the uh, the bio from Harper Collins. Alyssa Nutting is an assistant professor of English at Grinnell College. She is the author of the story collection "Unclean Jobs for Women and Girls," as well as the novel "Tampa," and and then in parentheses it says "and made for love." I think I Livius had to add that, that. because yeah. <laughs> there's no current bio for for uh,
1: Miss Nutting anywhere on the internet, at least that I could find in my three full minutes of
0: google searching so um i will say that um and uh, maybe like a another parenthetical we could add to the end of her bio is that she is uh she's married to a different author she's married to another author um which i discovered when i was trying to figure out if she would marry me wow nice rob (laughs) very nice
1: um so i guess if you're whoever that other author is um you better stay on your game because uh
0: yeah, go back out. and
1: listen. Go back. Go back and listen. To a couple of episodes. Rob is going to do nothing to pursue <laughs> this. That's exactly
0: but, what's going to happen. But God, God
1: forbid your wife get wind that that, that Rob's interested. So <laughs> here is the synopsis for Made for Love. Um, buckling kids. It's a long one. Hazel has just moved into a trailer park of senior citizens with her father and Diane, his extremely lifelike sex doll, as her roommates. Life with Hazel's father is strained at best, but her only alternative seems even bleaker. She's just run out on her marriage to Byron Gogol, CEO and founder of Gogol Industries, a monolithic corporation hell-bent on making its products and technologies indispensable in daily life. For over a decade, Hazel put up with being veritably quarantined by Byron in the family compound. Her every movement and vital sign tracked but when he demands to wirelessly connect the two of them via brain chips in a first-ever human mind meld, Hazel decides what was once merely irritating has become unbearable. The world she escapes into is a far cry from the dry and clinical bubble she's been living in, a world populated with a whole host of deviant oddballs. As Hazel tries to carve out a new life for herself in this uncharted territory, Byron is using the most sophisticated tools at his disposal to find her and bring her home. His threats become more and more sinister, and Hazel is forced to take drastic measures in order to prevent. Fuck, like they come up with prevent. His threats become more and more sinister, and Hazel is forced to take drastic measures in order to find a home of her own and free herself from Byron's virtual clutches once and for all. Perceptive and compulsively readable, made for love, is at once an absurd, raunchy comedy and a dazzling, profound meditation, marriage, monogamy, and family.
0: I think oh, there's a f- word missing there yeah
1: it could be it's profound meditation marriage monogamy yeah i do there it is though that is the synopsis for uh for for made for love do you want to address what's immediately missing from the synopsis
0: uh would it would it be one of the other very significant characters in the book yeah the other 40
1: ish percent of the story is is um completely missing and maybe a word in that
0: last sentence too yeah, well, yeah. The word um, so it'd be profound meditation on or meditation of uh, marriage, monogamy, and family. But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, Hazel is definitely the the protagonist, and this this is her story. But there is a a separate um, story that runs through the book as well, and um, it's significant enough where we do see parts of the entire book from. His perspective as opposed to from hers i mean it's a yeah so um it's jasper and jasper is i'm trying to think the best way to describe him just like a pretty boy who cons women out of their money yeah and um something very significant and (laughs) dramatic happens to him
1: we'll we'll (laughs) probably get to that in the course uh, uh, yeah
0: yeah, so his life changes and then and then it kind of sends her and him toward her life in a way but we'll we'll talk about that but yeah yeah he is a lot of he's a good chunk of the book so you would think that there would be at least some sort of passing mention of of him
1: one would think um i also want to come back to at the end and, and i don't know if this will if this will have to be you know over on spoiler talk at patreon.com/booked but um last week we just read the the tagline which, you know, says, uh, you know, it's a blah, 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 funny story of how far some will go for love and how far some will go to escape it. Yeah, I have have some questions about how that relates to the story. I mean, I have an idea. I just, I I felt it was a little, I don't know. Uh,
0: Confusing or?
1: Yeah, I I got, yeah, I I don't know. I guess I I, I was having trouble finding that statement in the book. So maybe i will talk about it later. Yeah, we can come back to that. So, yeah, we open... um, in the future so this book uh takes place the, the current time in the book is is uh 2019 so a couple years from now but then we, we go back and forth um learning about hazel's relationship with with byron you know so that goes all the way back to 2008 um other than there are a few flashbacks or whatever where characters are kind of relating to things that happen in their youth but basically it takes place in the near future so that all the technology is is possible correct I'm guessing that's the the reason for
0: yeah I can't I couldn't think of any other part of the book that that required it so it has to be the the technology that we don't currently have yep.
1: so hazel um as it says uh I, I think it covered hazel's story pretty well in the synopsis she is uh looking to get out of this this marriage um from from byron which is portrayed as is really abusive I, I mean like it it feels like it's implied but but really it's it's just more of a, a very clinical very sterile kind of marriage but her reason for leaving is that yeah that she's looking to um that he's looking to put in a device where he would be able to feel and share her every thought as she's having it which uh yeah i mean that's probably a little little invasive right i think
0: maybe well yeah i think that's kind of the theme of uh so invasiveness so uh he's a he's the CEO of a tech. I mean, he essentially runs Google. Um, <laughs> so there's a clever little Google mm-hmm. instead of Google. It's the same. It's a, it's a tech country uh, company that makes um, like connected uh, uh, gadgets and stuff. Like, can we talk about how much I hate the internet of things as a statement
1: for things? Yeah. I know you didn't say it, but yeah. I just wanted to, so I was going to say it and I was like, God, I hate that
0: so much. Yeah. It's an awful term. <laughs> Um, so, basically, he, he he's all about technology needs to be in and in control of, in most cases, every aspect of our lives. And taking that to the absolute extreme, because he's a very wealthy person in their home. Like, everything has cameras and sensors. And, like, you know, if you uh, are, you'll, you know, before you get a headache, a machine's going to tell you that one's coming. Like, that type of thing. And so... That level of invasiveness was kind of the status quo, and it was just enough to make her miserable, but not enough to make her want to take action. And and the the mind meld was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. That's right, and that camel decided, with her broken back, to go um
1: and live with her dad, who lives in a you know trailer park kind of retirement community. Uh, uh you know, you can't stay there unless you're over well, I don't remember so it's sixty five or fifty five or something. Um, because she is left with nothing. Obviously there's a prenup, but she, she doesn't want anything. She just wants to get um, far away from him, because he, she is certain that he will kill her um, if she does not return. So there, there's a lot throughout the course of the book. I don't know how much we're going to talk about it through the course of the story, but there's a lot of her being absolutely certain that he will kill her, although he does nothing to really indicate that that's something he would do. Like some of this, I guess my question is, some of it seems like it, it might be slight overreaction on her part. And I think that's what I was kind of trying to get at with the, the abusiveness of her relationship is um, that it was, if it was, it was very subdued. And I think that she maybe makes
0: more of some of the things than. Well, uh, so my impression of, of what you're saying is a little bit of a different take where um, I, I always saw it as like, yes so maybe she was seeing more than was actually there but for the reason of like she wouldn't put it past him like it's something that he is absolutely capable of and if he and if he came to her and said oh i did this she'd be like well of course you did and Mm -hmm. so her exaggerations in her mind are basically saying well like why wouldn't he do that even though maybe there's not like concrete evidence for for it gotcha yeah um so,
1: you know, we're, we're introduced to this. She goes, she meets her dad. Dad um, is a widower of a number of years, I think 10 years. Uh, and he has decided to, to spend um, his days with his new um, real dolls. Is that what they're called? There's that
0: company that makes them. I think it was real dolls. Yeah, that wasn't. I, they weren't mentioned my name in the book, no. but it's the real dolls are the ones that are like tens of thousands of dollars and they're like very lifelike and stuff.
1: And uh much much to her surprise and to our uh, comedic relief um you know he, he is treating this 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 doll as a real person so um obviously a little on the on the absurdist side of of humor um but yeah he he definitely uh, wants his daughter to treat and address the uh, the doll Diane um you know by name and, and proper introductions and, and and that kind of thing so she's that that's that's what she's wa- so she's walking away from, the, the very sterile um, controlling environment of her her marriage to a, a gazillionaire um, into a trailer where her elderly father on his little rascal scooter um, has has developed a, a relate a pretty quick relationship because the box is still sitting in his living room with this this <laughs> lifelike sex doll so quite the change of pace um for for Hazel for our protagonist
0: yeah and absurdity since you opened that door is something that we're going to have to talk about because Hazel is an absolutely absurd person. Um, and, and I think that that aspect of her, her character is something that does undermine her, uh, assu- you know, her, her sureness or whatever you want to say, her confidence that like her husband's trying to kill her because like, she's kind of crazy and kind of loopy and does weird things and thinks weird things and just has a really um, unusual Uh, philosophy on life um and and so everything that's not everything but a good quantity of the stuff that we read from hazel where it's hazel thinking about something or hazel saying something is really weird and really out there but like not in like a like a you know like a hippie way or a you know a you know it's more of like just like a this is a strange person
1: she she follows things to illogical conclusions is kind of how i yeah like they're, like they like they they're possible but really highly unlikely and, and illogical yeah. but that's what yeah. makes her endearing so i don't think that that's a i don't think it's a bad trait i just think it's important to understand that that's who she is as a
0: person um i was thinking and i don't know if this is the right time to introduce this thought mm-hmm. um and i mentioned it to you uh in text um but like yes it's absolutely it's it's why I was looking to see if she was married because I was like, man, this is so entertaining. I really hope she's like this and I'll just marry her and everything will be great. Uh, Turns out, listeners, I'm not going to be getting married to Alyssa Nutting unless she is that weird and doesn't mind having a second husband. I don't know. Um, But anyway, back to the point. As I was reading through this book, the more I read, the more similarities I had Kind of found to, I, I found similarities in her writing to to several authors I've read, um, but one in general with like the um, uh, the absurdity of of a character making these wild um, uh, you know uh, declarations or, or assumptions uh, would be like the way that David James Keaton writes. I do not disagree
1: with you at all. I did not have that thought. But when when you sent me that message, I I immediately understood and and could uh, validate what you were saying. (laughs) It's like on the page I was reading when you sent it to me. I was like, yep, I can right." this. I don't remember specifically what it was, but I was like, yep, yep," I can
0: totally see this. I think my words were, she's a female Keaton. Yep. Um, But like other authors, too, like I can see echoes of some very satirical authors like i could see a little christopher moore in her and that's that's who i more thought of but
1: i just wanted to validate that you're absolutely right on the keaton thing too
0: yeah yeah so um hazel is an absurd character but in a way that's like livia said endearing and for me incredibly entertaining um uh definitely for sure
1: so not not probably not the most absurd character though because i think we're getting there slowly but surely (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't sure what to make of this. So, so my my history with uh, with reading um, Alyssa Nutting is uh, this: I read uh, "Potential Force," best short story I've ever read. In case you're listening, Alyssa, and has not made it to your ears yet, because I say it uh, every time short stories come up lately. Um, then I read Tampa, which I enjoyed, but Tampa was very dark. And, and although I, if I remember correctly, you know, there were some moments that were, that were, you know, dark humor or whatever. It definitely wasn't written to be a humorous book. This was, I do know that this was, you know, I'd seen some things that say, well, this isn't, you know, what you, what you expected when you're picking it up, that kind of thing. Like when this book came out. So I, I you know, changed my expectations, but I, I was caught a little off guard, at, uh, at, at the humor or the absurdist uh, type humor in this. And, and I, I wasn't really on board early on. And then I got to the part that is obviously taken goddamn almost paragraph for paragraph from um, Fifty Shades of Grey and How She Meets Byron. And I was like, all right, I, I think I'm starting to get how the rest of this book is going to go. Um, You caught that, right? Like the whole her meeting Byron. Is, oh, is, yeah. Is, yeah. I mean, like her friend was supposed to interview him, but she got sick, but had to have the interview. So she prete- I mean, like, yeah, it's almost verbatim from Fifty Shades of Grey. um And, and, and I think that's when I started to say, OK, I've got to stop trying to take this book seriously. Like, you know, as, as a serious story and I have to let it go to to its, you know, where, to wherever it goes, which is, again, you know, kind of on the the odd humorous side.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. And it goes there, it goes there big time. Like in 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 every interaction with someone, something weird happens between Hazel and that person. Um, I noticed, and and I don't know how I feel about this when it happens, but um, Hazel has a very like intelligent way of speaking, but like in a way that we are like, wow, this person's really smart. But what the fuck are they talking about? And I noticed that that kind of intelligent speak. And, like, the kind of flippant way that that she talks um, ended up being the way that other characters spoke as well. Like her father, very similar. Um, And so it kind of bothers me when characters seem to be too similar to other characters in the book. And um, uh, even some characters that show up later on that we'll talk about, like she meets a guy in a bar, um, he's definitely different and developed differently but like his casual conversation is 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 strikingly similar and so that was a little bit of like a eh, thing to me but it was so small that I got over it pretty quickly. Um did you catch anything similar or no?
1: Yeah, a little bit. They all have the same um I don't know, the, the same like kind of a comeback system, I guess. Yeah. It, is the I wasn't really actively thinking about it, but yeah, I, I think that's I think that's right, which Again, I mean, yeah, I, I I agree with you that when it's everybody, it, it's probably a little rough. But let, let's face it, this book can't be taken very seriously at all. So I mean, it's very <laughs> different than having that in a in a book that's uh, that that's written to be very realistic. You, right. you know what I mean? Where, where then it's just then we just call it poor dialogue. And this it's just kind of you know funny writing.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like like. It gave me the impression that the way that people talk in this is very, very similar to the way that Alyssa Nutting would talk in person.
1: <laughs> Which I'm sure did nothing to, to lower your, uh, your desires for... Uh, did not for, deter for, me. ...for wedlock. <laughs> um, yeah, so then we're introduced to, unlike the synopsis, we're actually going to mention this other character, um, uh, Jasper, who Rob mentioned briefly. Jasper is a... Uh, a, a man of, of good looks who has also um, figured out that he can live off the monies that he steals essentially. I don't say steals. Does he steal it? I don't know if he really steals it. Cons. He, cons. Swindles, yeah. Cons, that he swindles yeah. people out of it. Right there are swindles women out of. And we catch him on the, the tail end of one of these swindles where he is uh, absconded with a large sum of money from, from his latest target and he's hiding in a hotel and the woman has found him and he's kind of, you know, trying to duck her and stuff. Then he ends up, uh, on the beach, the ocean and has a run in with a, with a sea creature.
0: (laughs) I love the way you said that. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's (laughs) the encounter I think was written very well where he's just kind of like floating. Like he's gone out far enough where he's like kind of up to his neck in water and he just kind of decides he's going to float And, um, while he's floating and he's got his eyes closed and he's all chilling, like something, he either hits him or pulls him under or whatever. And, uh, or hits him in the face. There was something very like aggressive about the first contact. Um, and he, he's sure that it's the girl, Molly E, (laughs) who he, uh, he had just burned with this scam. And, um, and so he's like kind of trying to talk his way out of it and stuff, but he's kind of panicking and, and, you know, so it's not going in his favor, but as the encounter goes on, he he realizes this is not this is not a person at all. I'm getting attacked by a dolphin, and uh, <laughs> and as that unfolds, and and you have that kind of inner monologue of like, what do you even do when a dolphin's attacking you? Um, it turns from seeming to be violent and aggressive to um, sexual <laughs> and definitely aggressive. So um, as I'm reading this, I'm like. I personally, and, and we'll probably have a conversation about this, but I personally, um, have, have always kind of championed the how like, you don't understand how rapey dolphins are kind of thing. And, um, uh, it was something that I discovered actually back in LA in 2012, someone brought it up and I was like, what? And then when I found out, I was like, holy shit, dolphins love to rape people. Um, and so as this was going on, I was like, please make it a dolphin. And it was a dolphin. I was like, please make it a rapey dolphin. And it was, and it was a really cool encounter. encounter. I
1: um, I, I was under the impression, because I think 2012 is when that that thing surfaced. And, and if you look it up, some people say that it's a myth, that it doesn't happen. Um, there's a video that you can watch of a guy who's being some, I don't want to say he's being raped, but he's definitely being aggressed upon by a dolphin. <laughs> Um, but as I was reading it, I I didn't get the, the sexual part of the attack. And, and I knew, or at least I felt that that's where, where Alyssa was going. Um, I yeah. wasn't even sure that Jasper understood that until he mentions it way later in the book. Because I thought it was written in a way that it was just this dolphin, and, and that it was kind of an attack, and that you know whatever happened. At any rate, Jasper winds up <laughs> dragging this dolphin out of the water and <laughs> becomes the dolphin savior. He becomes, goes viral, but nobody knows who he is because um, he he leaves the scene. But they're like, oh my god, he saved that poor dolphin when really he was he was uh, uh, basically knocked the dolphin out and and was uh, was leaving the getting ready to leave the beach with it. Um, But I I was wondering in my head, like, I don't think this guy gets that that's what was happening. But that is
0: clarified far later in the book. Yeah, to me, it actually read the way that someone who doesn't know a dolphin is rapey would be interpreting what was happening to them when a dolphin was raping them. (laughs) So I don't know if that means anything.
1: (laughs) I have, Yeah, so so Jasper's story from there, (laughs) to kind of speed things up a little bit, is... uh, he now is only turned on by dolphins. He, he discovers this through, through yeah. a, a series of, of intimate sessions with, with himself. And at one point with a, a, a paid escort, um, that, that the women's aren't doing it for him anymore, that he needs that dolphin love to, to satisfy, to satisfy his sexual
0: needs. Yeah. Which really kind of cuts out. Cause his whole, his whole thing was like making girls fall in love with him. Um, and his, I guess his like gimmick, his calling card was that he was very generous and caring, care, not caring, but thoughtful mm-hmm. um, to, to the women in bed. So he basically used his sexual prowess as a way to, to swindle women out of money. And now that he could only get it up for a dolphin, that was his main stream of revenue and it was now gone. And he had, so his trauma kind of fetishized dolphins to the point where it like, he had to make an entire life change. um so that that's kind of like the the way that the story diverges for him and he ends up going to work at like a big aquarium somewhere or something so
1: yeah because (laughs) we're all by
0: place Uh, oh it's so good
1: (laughs) on the flip side back to hazel um hazel uh, is is of course found by, by byron by her husband and and he I don't even really clear like when when she first fi- when he first finds her whatever when she first discovers that that he is uh, found her or whatever you want to say he's like faces like projected on a wall <laughs> like I don't it's like really weird like he's talking to her through this this projected face on a wall <laughs> like a
0: drone from outside mm-hmm. is projecting so, yeah
1: so he uses technology obviously to kind of um, intrude on her life. And, and to keep tabs on her and really the goal is for, for her to come back and and you know, and he just you know Hey, just come back. This is what I want to do We're gonna be this legendary couple blah blah blah. She obviously is willing to go to Nearly any length to not go back to him um, at, at some point she even talks about you know, if she ends up dead. He won't have what she what what um, you know What he wants and stuff And through the course of all this she also discovers that her father is is terminally ill with cancer so She's trying to avoid Byron. She's dealing with these feelings about her father being very sick. Um, on the flip side of the story, we have Jasper and he's uh, his 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 love for dolphins. And somehow all of this is going <laughs> yeah. to connect sometime later in the book. I think that might be, from a story standpoint, really the, the the crux of it.
0: Yeah. The only other thing I would want to mention is there's another character that is is pretty common in the book. Um, in the probably like after the first third of the book, he kind of becomes more common. His name's liver. Like it's just liver, right? Just liver liver. And it's a, uh, this weird guy who Hazel meets in a bar while she's trying to like, she's really trying really hard to hit bottom. Um, as these things are unfolding and, um, she meets him and and he becomes like, uh, Hey, I could really hit bottom with this guy kind of thing. And so he, he ends up being present for some of the pivotal parts of the book. And he's really just this guy who sits in a bar day after day. Uh, and he's really, I got a very scummy impression of him, but like, like what the way I imagine him is like, he's like, he's that like aged rocker. Who's like, probably like, you know, in his fifties or something, sixties, and and like in the like it's, he's described as having like a leather vest but like no shirt, and so like I just pictured him as like this old rocker dude who's like super thin and just like he he understands who he is, and so he's like the guy who waits around for women to uh to like hook up with, and he basically is very honest about like hey, I'm the guy who can help you hit bottom, so it's a it's a weird a weird character you wouldn't expect there to be any redeeming things about liver
1: yeah but he's that guy that has like that certain set of skills that comes in handy too like he knows and has seen things you know that that type of thing so yeah i mean that's that's basically it there's some super cool technology stuff um that comes up through the course of the book i will tell you sleep helmets um (laughs) sleep helmets sound pretty goddamn cool yeah so a sleep helmet, I mean, it, by, by definition in this, is a, um, it's a helmet that basically um, closes off, obviously, your, your sight and your, your hearing, so you can sleep, but they put in, like, delta waves or whatever, so you go to sleep right away, but it also monitors your health. And, of course, it's a little bit of a, a tool in the book because it also monitors the health of those around you, and that comes into play, obviously, at, at some
0: point. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... That is very much as far as we can go without um, doing spoilers. I imagine we're probably going to go over and do a little spoiler talk on the Patreon. Um, but uh, from from there, it's just like, how does all this kind of come together and resolve itself? And it doesn't get any less absurd. I tell you that much. It definitely doesn't.
1: Um, do you have any quotes or anything you wanna you wanna do before we head over for spoiler talk? Or
0: I, you know what? There's a quote that I wanted to share because um, we were talking about how it reminded us of authors. Mm-hmm. And um, the quote I'm going to share actually is not one that reminds me of Keaton, although you could probably find some Keaton in this, But it, and it's kind of long. Um, but actually of Joey Comeau. Remember we read the um, mm-hmm. summer is over... Summer's Ended, We're Not Yet Saved, I think is what it's called, right? The Extended Bible Camp Bloodbath. Um, there was a scene where... Um, And it's very similar. I think it's actually, um, I think it's very similar. Like it's the birth scene. And I remember when we reviewed that book, um, by Joey Camo, Brayton Cameron had a a quote where the, the protagonist mom was talking about like wanting to, uh, like choke a doctor Mm -hmm. and like bring your neck to me was like what she, what he kept saying like that thing. Do you remember that vaguely? Yes. So this this quote is very reminiscent of that. I'm going to read it, and I just thought it was pretty entertaining. She remembered her mother telling her how during labor she wanted to die. The pain was that intense. And I'm no cream puff, her mother reminded her. That is next level. I kept telling your father to go home and get his gun and shoot me in the head, right between the eyes. I was grabbing his head and putting his finger on my forehead just so, screaming, Here, here, this is where the bullet goes, straight into the brain. And of course, the only gun he has is an antique from his grandpa, no ammo at all, doesn't even fire. He felt the need to tell me all this instead of getting the staff to hurry it up with the epidural.
1: Yeah, it's uh, her relationship with her parents was not, uh, was not great. They were not a they were definitely not a, a close, um, you know, a, a close group of people. But uh, you're right, the mother and the father both have that same kind of... And, and that's, I guess you could argue that away, that if she grows up with that type of wit and that type of demeanor and speech that, you know, that the whole family yeah. is like that. But you're right, it does extend out to other places. Oddly enough, my favorite quote, I think, of the book is also um, related to, to her mother. Um, so... There's a long kind of thing where she's talking about how she dresses and stuff, so I'm going to kind of cut, obviously, most of that out. Her dying mother had said the last time Hazel returned home, Christ, 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 were you recently assaulted? What kind of a look is that? If I saw you walking down the street, I'd stop the van and ask if you needed a ride to the police station. You know what those jeans say to me? I was gravely wronged. I have a report to make.
0: Yeah, that's another quote that I was considering sharing. Not damn hilarious. Magnificent. Yep um hazel talking to someone about um the condition of her mother when her mother was dying we've reached a point of acceptance with her condition hazel said she borrowed this language from a hospice pamphlet titled reaching a point of acceptance with your condition Mm -hmm. (laughs) so fucking good I'm going to give you another one really quick, because I, the, this, is, this is great, and it's really quick. Um, Hazel's phone had been disconnected and, and at one point in the story in a flashback, and then it, she was surprised when it rang and, and someone talked to her on the phone. After the phone call was over, Hazel decided to call the library and inquire about the current balance of her fines, always hefty. She had no plans to pay, but she wanted to call someone since her phone suddenly worked. Very, very good.
1: This is uh, we were talking about otter and and kind of how he's kind of a scummy dude. and I just I thought this was a great way to to express that. She rubbed her finger along liver's knee, then glanced at the sheen on her fingertip like an otter's fur. His pants seemed to produce an oil-based protective
0: coating. <laughs> uh, and of course i I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't not do this quote. I love this. This has to do with the sex dolls, obviously. It made Hazel feel better to know they sold replacement throat ginas. She wasn't the world's first throat gina wrecker. <laughs> it's Rob's goal, in life is to wreck a throat gina. <laughs> I, I like, uh, you know what? I'm a little impressed that you uh you decided to assume I haven't yet wrecked a throat gina.
1: <laughs> just know you haven't had a sex doll that's that expensive. Yeah, that's true. Notice yeah. I qualified that with that's that expensive. It's
0: that expensive, yeah. But to me, you know what? I'm gonna go on the record right now. Never owned a sex doll. This is this is a
1: pretty um interesting <laughs> section of the book all told. It's 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 um she's very drunk. Hazel's drunk leaving the bar, and, and her her journey to get back to her father's home is hilarious. And at one point she stumbles on someone's long lawn and takes out a pink flamingo and decides to carry it along with her. And this, this paragraph is just a, a great culmination of that. You'll like my dad's friend, Diane, she assured the bird. Maybe the doll and the lawn ornament would be able to communicate with each other. She liked the thought of her father having to pretend the flamingo was real if she had to pretend the doll was real.
0: Yeah, <sighs> Hazel's just got so much character to her. She does. It's. Uh, I think that's it for me.
1: For uh, I do want to say that she does talk about Hazel going to a theater when she was younger. And how there was like this kind of nausea-inducing um, intro before the movies, which was really a, a theater, like a concession stand ad, basically. I yeah. remember that, and I remember getting like I don't know, maybe vertigo even um, from from sitting in the theater. And do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen that particular one?
0: Um, you're on a roller a coaster. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking and about. I yep.
1: you did a great job describing what it was like watching that that fucking thing every time you went to the movies.
0: <laughs> um do you wanna do some spoilers and then we'll come back and wrap this bitch right up with a bow?
1: That sounds like a great idea. So listeners, if you're a Patreon contributor at any level, for as little as a dollar a month, you get a uh, spoiler talk, which is over at uh, patreon.com slash booked podcast. It is booked podcast, right? I think it's just booked. I think it's just booked. There you go. Anyway, if you search on Patreon for booked podcast you'll find us and you'll find this little bit of spoiler talk that we're gonna go do right
0: now. All right, I know it's been like a half a second for you guys, but we just went over and spent some time on Patreon, talking about some spoilers from this book. Um, and if you're not familiar with the the way the Patreon works, like Olivia said before, even for a dollar, um, you get access to our, our spoiler talks, and we've probably got over a dozen uh, inter, uh, excuse me reviews that we've done by now that have some spoiler talk and some of them go into very huge detail where it's like another half hour of conversation. Others are a little bit shorter where we just wanted to kind of talk about a couple of things, but either way, give us a dollar a month and then just get access to some more stuff. Um, in addition to spoiler talks, you're going to actually have access to some other stuff as well. Livius, anything specific you want to mention?
1: Well, um, I think that our our holiday extravaganza spectacular this year might be a, a Patreon only. We haven't discussed it yet. The Halloween one will be open to all, as it'll be a video um, podcast. But I think uh, the all the rest of this, all the rest of the seasons are going to go off the radar. Right? They're all going to go to Patreon now. Oh, like even Christmas? I don't know. We'll have to talk about it, I guess.
0: Yeah. But don't We're gonna have ch- to, listen, yeah. Don't
1: chance it. Pay a buck. Why? Why? Why chance it? Pay a buck. One dollar. Yeah.
0: If you and a million of your friends just gave us a dollar a month, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> it's a <laughs> lot less than that.
1: Um, so I was gonna do, I was gonna read some Amazon reviews because I thought they might be funny, and really, as I was going through them, um, they're, they're not. Um, there uh-huh. is well, but there is a thread through the one star and, and even some of the two star reviews, and it, and it's this: I have cautioned um, authors that we know. And then have have you know have even publicly discussed um, uh, you know authors I don't know you know what I mean, going uh, a different direction with their writing. Uh, Melissa made a splash with Tampa, and essentially all the one star reviews say, "I love Tampa." What the hell was this? Yeah, um, should have stopped writing after Tampa. Uh, da, da, da. where's the other? I mean, it, Tampa is mentioned in the in, in the majority of the one-star reviews because they liked Tampa, they liked what she did with that book, and then this is a complete—I don't want to say 180-degree turn on this, but it's 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 you know a 90-degree turn, maybe. Um, yeah. And and again, that that almost caught me. Now, if I was not reviewing for this podcast, and and I would have picked this up because I like Tampa. I don't know. I don't know that I would have gotten as far as I did. I just don't have the option to quit reading once we decide to review something. We've talked about that on the show a lot. Um, and it took me a little longer to get going than, than it does in some books because I was, even though I knew not to expect the same type of thing as Tampa, you know, once you're starting to become familiar with it, with an author's back work, it, it could be very dangerous to, to switch gears like like she did. Yeah. I mean, somebody, somebody reviewed it. They did it in their book club. Now... This is what I was saying. Just think about who that book club is. That book club is the people that read that tagline. Someone looking to get away from love and someone trying to find it. And instead, they get a dolphin fucker and a, a, a old man that that's having sex with uh, with uh, you know whatever real dolls and you know what I mean. Like even the cover that we didn't talk about the cover for the book. It does have dolphins on there, <laughs> but it's the it's the old school. This reminds me of like. If you and like your girlfriend went to like a stand like in the mall or maybe out on a, a pier, like airbrush art, yeah, or... yeah, and and you know you would get it's where "Made for Love" would be like like your two names together above this scene that's like kind of like a a wave in the ocean with two dolphins jumping out of it. So it it lends itself even the title like "Made for Love." Can you explain the title to me? Where that came from or or what?
0: Well. If you like, if like my my initial impressions are, if you look at the two big characters in the book, made for love. When you're looking at Hazel, is like uh, like for to Byron, she's just another product. Like the whole like mind meld thing is just her becoming something that is a product that it, you know like yeah, is sold I to you. enhance people's lives. I got you. So that would be from his point of that she was made or was being made for love
1: basically yeah all right i I guess i can get that but you you get what i'm saying the title doesn't lend itself really i I don't know well to her
0: style but the uh, can i give you one for jasper too because his like mega um uh what's the word i'm looking for fetish for dolphins only kicked in after his his assault he was made into this person who you know had a love for dolphins yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I, I could see it, and and I appreciate. Right. It. I would, but yeah, I wouldn't have come up with either one of those. I just kept thinking, <laughs> like I said, you know, that this this looks on its surface to be a beach read, and, and I could yeah. see where some people would read it. Now, I don't know that that synopsis is hers. That that's not a, a HarperCollins Collins. That you know what I mean. That that's not a, a marketing ploy. some Nothing against her at all, but I could see where that's going to draw you some negative reviews. Where on the surface you think you're getting one thing. And that turns out to be kind of like a light bizarro book in some ways. Is that a wrap up? Uh, No, (laughs) it can be though. (laughs) Let me go ahead and and do a proper wrap up. Um, Took me a little bit to get into this because I like the one star reviews was probably expecting something a little different. That being said, once I got all my own preconceived notions out of the way really, really funny and really enjoyable book. Um, again, you know, absurdist in scope. Um, I still, you know, I didn't find it for me. It wasn't a story driven book. It was a character driven book and character driven books are typically if done right, a lot of fun. And this one was exactly that for me. It was a lot of fun. I think the writing was solid. Um, again, not a story that (laughs) that I could, could buy into with the, the dolphin fetish and stuff, but it didn't matter because the characters were, were very, um, i was gonna say relatable but that's definitely not the right word uh, very enjoyable and, and i found um, a lot of humor in them and the writing was really solid uh, overall i really enjoyed it and i'm gonna give it four stars
0: so i will say that this is the first Alyssa nutting that i've read after having heard uh the accolades that livius has piled on her over the years for the the, the work that he had read of hers um especially the short story and so I, I went in kind of expecting or understanding that there would be a level of quality and um, that was not uh, that was not wrong. I think she's a very good writer. I think if you just want to look at like just like the the ability to help tell a story and, and the craft of writing itself, I think she's very good. Um, and this is just my kind of thing, man. Like reading <laughs> reading Hazel's story, like I, I, I kept thinking like, this is someone who, I don't know if I'd hang out with her all the time, but I'd definitely like to have Hazel in my life um, at, at some level. Like, it's nice to have someone who's just a complete mess. Who's, like, just kind of f- constantly falling apart around sometimes. Uh, sometimes, not all the time. Uh, so, I was very comfortable with, with the Hazel character. And then just the whole dolphin thing is just so hilarious to me. Um, even though it's, like, in reality, really tragic and dark. Um, and so, Jasper's story just went in, in, like, just the best direction possible. Because... Um, you know, a pretty boy who cons women out of money is not interesting at all, but a guy who is a pretty boy who cons women out of money who becomes, you know, sexually obsessed with dolphins is amazing. So this book is just was like hitting every single thing that would make me even more and more interested about a book. And, and I will acknowledge, like Livia said, there was a moment when I was reading what is essentially like the same premise as... Fifty Shades of Grey with the, the meeting of Byron where I was like, oh, what the hell is going on here? Um, but overall, I mean, I can't think of many moments in the book where I was like, really, this is this is where you're going. Uh, it was it was pretty damn solid all the way through. And so I really enjoyed the book. And, and uh, that should be evidenced by the fact that I decided to read it constantly instead of putting it off until the last minute and reading it one big chunk. So I thought it was great. And I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of direction Alyssa goes with future writings. So I'm going four and a half stars, buddy. Very, very nice. Um,
1: the rest of this episode is going to feel very contrived. And, and I want <laughs> I want listeners to understand or at least hear me out when I say it absolutely wasn't. Halfway through this book as I was getting the absurdist humor, I really thought that Lazy Fascist was the the right home for it. Um, I don't know if at that point I I even knew who had published it or or, or whatever. I just remember thinking that. And then as I'm on social media, I happen to see a post, I think through Jeremy Robert Johnson's uh, Facebook page or something, that addressed the fact that Lazy Fascist is no longer. They have published or are very soon to publish their, their very last book, which I thought was fine. Not that you know, I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about lazy fascists, but this happened within maybe hours or a day from one another. So I thought maybe we should talk a little bit about Cameron Pearson and Lazy Fascist and, and the the end of um the end of you know an imprint that published sixty books. I mean that's not you know we've seen presses fall apart after you know five um, and yeah. sixty and and something that was uh, I think really well received by by. uh you know that kind of—I don't want to say the bizarre, obviously the bizarro community. But also, like you know, I don't know what you call like people who don't quite get into bizarro, but just kind of like a weird, yeah, you know, fiction kind of thing. So, um, yeah, uh, apparently announced on September 21st, which is five days before um, we recorded this, and I'll, I'll touch a little bit on Cameron's post. Um, he announces the release of Nails by MP Johnson. Uh, and then it's you know towards the end of that it says uh, it's a bittersweet announcement because this is also the final release under the Lazy Fascist Press label. There couldn't be a more perfect book to close out the press after seven years and over sixty books. This was among the most difficult decisions I've had to make. It goes on to talk about the purpose of an independent press and then lists a great number of reasons. Uh, they're numbered, so six, seven reasons, six reasons, um, on uh, on why. Uh, I I'm, I'm sad inside. I know we've only reviewed a couple of titles from Lazy Fascist and I've read some on my own over the years. But yeah, it's it's a it's not often that I'm that sad to see a press go, I guess. So I felt that men, merited mention here on the on the uh, on the podcast.
0: Yeah, I was just looking at my bookshelf and probably because of the proximity, um, uh, the ones that I see that are lazy fascists are nearest me are the ones that are written by Stephen Graham Jones. So all three of the books that I could see uh, by Stephen, we've reviewed Zombie Sharks with Metal Teeth, which is a short story collection, Zombie Bake Off, which was fucking amazing, and um, The Last Final Girl are all lazy fascist oh. books um, by Stephen Graham Jones. So... Man, like, talk about some of like the my most fond memories of, of of reviewing just those three books, and I know that there's a ton of other stuff by Lazy Fascist uh, outside of what they've done from Stephen um, that we've read or that you know are written by people that we admire. It's uh, it's it's like <sighs> selfishly, my first thought is, well, like, who's gonna make those books? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's really because we, we
1: talked about it. I, maybe during reviewing Zombie Bake Off, or I don't know. Maybe during that whole Patrick Wensink thing when that that the, the cease and desist letter came out from was it from Jack Daniels? I don't remember. Years ago,
0: yes, Jack Daniels. Yeah. Um,
1: how they touched on the stuff that wasn't bizarro enough to to be bizarro, but was a little too weird for for the mainstream. Now I will tell you that reading Made for Love out on uh, Harper Collins. Right? Am I saying that right? Is it? It's out on Harper Collins.
0: Right. Yeah, it's that echo, like or C C C O or yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's hypercon.
1: My uh, my point is, so it's good to see that somebody is picking up, you know, books that that I think would have fit very well into into the lazy fascist press. I jokingly had said to Rob while we were looking for the the posts and the reasons that, well, maybe it was because you know at the time they named it, they didn't think that the word fascist would be uh, on every single newscast <laughs> every night, you know, for, yeah. for a year. And oddly enough. He kind of mentions that a little bit in in, in the reasons as well. So, <laughs> dude, Skullcrack City, yeah, that's lazy yeah, fascist. That's what I'm saying, I mean, there's just some some great stuff, and, and like I said, we haven't spent time mourning a lot of presses um, that 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 decided to stop publishing. Um, this is this is one uh, I, I think will be missed.
0: Dude, I'm seriously going to have to go. Like, there's some of these that I want in print. Um... So I'm going to have to scramble to try and grab some Skull Crack I don't have in print. Um, broken Piano for President, we have reviewed. Patrick Wensink, you mentioned. Um, and like everything by Bradley Sands. Sorry I ruined your orgy. Um, uh, yeah, the bust down the door and eat all the chickens that he used to publish. Yeah, there's yeah tons of Bradley Sands. Weird man, Rico Slade will fucking kill you. That's great, by the way. So... Now, again, I said this would all seem very
1: contrived. I also was working and looking for a book for us to do on this next episode and said, you know, Jeremy Robert Johnson's in the river has been out for, you know, know, close to two months now, six or seven weeks, but it came, it dropped during late summer podcasting. But we had had a little, little bit of a preview when we had Jeremy Robert Johnson on that didn't go on the air where he had kind of told us that, that this thing was coming and it was going to be kind of just a surprise, here's a book kind of thing. So, um, I guess it would be very fitting that we go ahead and celebrate Lazy Fascist with their penultimate title. Uh, Next week, we're going to be reviewing In the River by Jeremy Robert Johnson, another booked favorite.
0: Yeah, so if you... If you were paying attention and you thought that we didn't react very surprised when um, a new Jeremy Robert Johnson book just dropped out of nowhere, even though you know that we're super enthusiastic about him as an author, it's because we already fucking knew about it. And I love to brag about shit like that. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. We, we do. We do like to brag about shit. You like to brag about it more than
1: I do. I, I like I, I do the inner I do the inner glow thing at knowing things, you know, where I'm just yeah. very happy within myself. And you're very um, extroverted when it comes to to that kind of stuff. So, um, so that's yeah, that's going to be our next uh, next episode. Um, it doesn't hurt that we're on a, we're trying to get back on track. I've had some some work things and and we had some some internet and and hardware issues that have put us a little bit behind. So we're, we're trying to catch up and get into a, a rhythm. But yeah, next week um, in the river, Jeremy Robert Johnson, the la- the last Lazy Fascist book we'll be reviewing, and I guess the second to last one that they're uh, that they're publishing. So. Looking forward yeah, to it. Pretty sweet,
0: but uh, definitely looking forward to reading some more JRJ. Damn right. Um, I think, unless you have anything else, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week, right? Uh,
1: yeah, I don't. I don't think there's uh, there's anything else. Uh, I can give you a preview of what's coming up after that. We're doing uh, Rob Hart. We are doing. Um, <laughs> we are doing. Uh, I, I'm not going to reveal what the title is, but we are doing uh, the Patreon. Um, perk level of reviewing a book that a patreon contributor makes us review. Uh, Jesse Lawrence has picked a book and we'll be co-reviewing it with us., uh, that's coming up. and then, then the spooktacular video episode. and I I'm gonna give you guys the date because we're we're pretty we don't have a time yet. I mean, I have a time in mind, but we don't have a time yet. september twenty first is gonna be our first time doing a booked live on a Saturday. So hopefully you guys yeah. will be able to tune in. I understand. Did you say September
0: September. or October?
1: I said September, October twenty first. Because we're not going back in time. Not going back in time. Apologies, October twenty (laughs) first. I'm thinking it's likely going to be like eight p.m. Central Standard Time. Could be nine p.m. But right around there, Um, we will be doing a live spectacular um, with uh, guests Misty Bennett and Jesse Lawrence. There's gonna be a lot of Jesse Lawrence this month too, apparently. Yeah. and that's that's gonna be fun i understand there will be costumes so
0: you understand like you're not super excited about I the super, costumes here's, like. here's the thing
1: i'm super excited <laughs> about it but i don't know that my three co-hosts you know will, will deliver and that's not saying anything negative <laughs> about you guys like i'm i'm in i'm sold i've already purchased uh, a, a main component for my costume so i'm i'm i'm, I'm ready <laughs> Like, I I need to get a couple things, but I'm pretty much set. I know what I'm doing, and I haven't really touched base with anybody else to, like, you know, gain that that, that commitment that they've already taken steps.
0: So. Well, all I'm going to say is it's going to be really awkward when I show up and I've got a sheet over my head with eye holes cut out because I'm a ghost, (laughs) and you have a sheet over your head, but the hat's a little pointier.
1: (laughs) Shit. All right. Well, let's spoil that surprise, I guess. Uh. uh so, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're, we're we're putting together um content uh basically as we speak um for that episode. So expect that to be a a 2-hour shindig as always. Yeah. Probably with some drinking involved, probably with some Halloween-y stuff, Halloween related stuff, so. <laughs>
0: halloweenies um yeah uh, i i believe we're going to be reading something i believe that's not confirmed yep. yet but we'll do the the regular like sure. you know themed talking about stuff it's going to be great mm-hmm. it's all just show up it's gonna be great yep. so that's uh that's
1: that's your preview for uh, for all of october essentially so uh you're gonna to want to come back uh yeah right about this time next week until then i'm olivia snedden and i'm rob
0: olson keep reading